Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Meta, a podcast about podcasts, and I'm Peter Wells. And my guest today is Nazim Hussain, who is a Melbourne-based comedian. We chatted a couple of weeks ago when Melbourne was still very much locked down. Uh, Fingers crossed we're not going back to that lockdown. But it was a really great conversation. Please stick around to the end to hear the way that Nazim spoke to uh, a a person trolling him on social media and the really unexpected outcome from that. Uh, It's one of my favourite stories so far of the series. Anyway... Without any further ado, here is Nazim Hussain. Before we start, I'll just let you know that this is um, going to be used in two different spots. So it'll end up in the paper mm-hmm. as just the, the regular column. It's also hopefully going to be turned into a podcast as well. So we've just launched because oh, okay. every white dude has to have a podcast. So, <laughs> And also everyone has to have a podcast now that we're in lockdown. Exactly. What what else can you do? Is there is there enough cool stuff in within 5Ks of you that, that you haven't gone completely oh, insane? Got, pretty, my 5K is great, actually. I'm very lucky. Got the beach, Alba Park Lake, even the Yana River. Most of the botanical gardens, and then the other side's a bit boring, mm. like kind of eastern suburbs. There's lots of little parks. But... So, have you walked every street of Brighton yet? I haven't. I think I think I might even be able to get to Brighton. I think that's within my five k's, maybe. <laughs> but I've done. I don't know why. I've just been doing the same path over and over. And then yesterday, I mixed it up and I went the other way. And oh my god, there's a better sunset. There's some <laughs> shops that are open that like you can look inside. I feel like I've um. I've paced myself well. So this this podcast that you started, the Survival Guide, that that was originally the Survival Guide to COVID. Yeah, it used to be the Survivor's Guide to Coronavirus, and then um, after a while, I think we just ran out of Survivor's <laughs> Coronavirus related stuff, mm-hmm. and it was just fun to. I mean, it started out initially as um, the oh, my whole national tour got cancelled, as did many mm-hmm. every comedian. So you know, we were all just calling up each other, just just whinging and as comedians do when we whinge, it's often pretty funny, funny chat. I just thought, you know what? I've been having so many of these conversations, might as well record them and let other people listen to them as well. So that's kind of how, that's sort of how it started. Just me calling up what speaking to friends about the pandemic. But then I just thought, oh, I'd like to, I think everyone sort of brings to the, brings to the podcast or to these chats, some sort of specific knowledge that they have about life and, and little life hacks. So I thought, well, why don't we just like, why don't we just expand it so it's not just about coronavirus and it, it could live on well beyond the pandemic, even if the pandemic kills us all. <laughs> what an optimistic view. <laughs> and also there was a point when it looked like we were almost on the other side of it here in Melbourne. Mm. We were in very low numbers. And then, you know, I was obviously happy about that. But then thinking about the podcast, I thought, well, what do we do? Do we just end it? in a couple of weeks when it, when we're finished with coronavirus or do we just find a way for it to live on? So, <laughs> so, so you organized the second wave to uh, continue the podcast. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. I just went out there and had sex with people in hotels. <laughs> um, no, it was, <laughs> it was me. No. <laughs> so yeah, it was basically, um, I just need to figure out a way for the podcast to survive and listeners will just, you know, so we basically rebranded. We took off the with coronavirus and I guess the same way that, um, Justin Timberlake told 
what's his face in the social network to drop the da from the facebook.com mm-hmm. and it's just been great ever since walk me through some of the guests that you've had i've i've been i've listened oh gosh, to a couple yeah. of different episodes in the lead up to this, but uh, yeah, walk me through some of the guests that you've had. Start with the ones that, you know, were, were just the mates to begin with and, um, yeah. and expand from there. Well, I mean, um, so, you know, I went to, I think we started off, we started off at Luke McGregor's house. This is when we could be in people's homes. Things were just uh, Such sweet up. times. <laughs> I know. Well, we're getting, we're getting close. I mean, I was just celebrating. Yesterday I went for lunch with Waleed at the park. We, our 5k radius is overlap and, I just, I was, we were both, like, I felt like on this weird giddy high, just being able to just not have to pretend to exercise. We could sit at a table. The sun was out. It felt amazing. And I was like, oh my God, we're just taking everything. Everything that we took for granted, we're now slowly appreciating bit by bit. But um, anyway, first guest we had Luke McGregor. So he was, that was at his house. He sang, played the ukulele. We thought, you know, this is, I just remember back to how optimistic and how upbeat everybody was. So, uh, you know, uh, Hughesy's been on, Casey Donovan. Dane Simpson came to my house, actually. Uh, he, he was talking about domestic duties and how he's not very good at it. Uh, we, we went to, to visit Lord Mayor Sal, Sally Cap, and she was talking about the, the world from her, from her uh, office and um, gave us some tips as well. We figured out a COVID-safe handshake, which is not very podcast-friendly, but people <laughs> had to imagine it as we tried to describe it. Julia Morris, Veronica Millson, Ursula Carlson. Uh, she, <laughs> she really took the podcast in a... To a completely different place. It was um, it suddenly that the rating needed to change from G-rated content to definitely MA fifteen plus, uh, or probably R eighteen plus. You know, people people can, can continue to message me about how funny that episode was. Okay, Becky well, hang on, I've got to stop you then. Uh, yeah. Why why the uh, explicit tag suddenly used? What 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 <laughs> what was discussed on that? Show? Oh, we didn't. Have, oh, it was about what was um, she was talking about. A, a bathtub of baked beans at one point and uh there was there was stuff I, think, well, I can't remember what we edited in or out but there was conversations about my mum and and Ursula talking about my mum um in not very platonic terms and uh very funny hard to hard to tell her to stop talking about my mum like that when she's making me laugh tearfully so um she doesn't she like openly hits on my sister to me mm-hmm. and um <laughs> so she's just very funny so there's a reason why she she was like the highest selling comedian at last year's comedy festival she's just freaking hilarious and um even though even though we're good friends i'm always excited that we're good friends and i don't i don't know if she if she knows that um, and uh <laughs> has your mum listened my mom has not listened. Thank God she doesn't know how to use podcasts. I feel like this is the only space where I can talk about things and my mom won't be able to access. And also just generally podcasting, you can just say whatever the hell you like. Like I feel like I'm probably holding back to a degree here because I know some of this will be published in a newspaper. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be responsible. That's a responsible medium. But podcasts, it's just, it's just where there's, you can be reckless. You can, you can really finish your thoughts without being cut off because there's an ad break. You know, people, you're not intruding into someone's car where they just tune into the radio. People have chosen to come listen to you. So it's just complete chaos and people want to hear it. So it's, um, it's, it's really fun. It's very freeing uh, and definitely feels like a space, a safe space for people to yell and rant, just get out their weirdest thoughts, analyze them, and then just leave them unresolved, you know? 
Um, <laughs> we even had, we had Kamal on. Oh my God, Kamal, Kamal was on. We had Kamal on the same episode as Richard Wilkins. This is after Richard Wilkins came out of isolation um, after, after he was cured of Corona. And um, oh, it's, weird. it's just actually quite interesting. I think, oh, I think we thought at that time, every, you know, we're all going to get it at some point. But he was talking about how he'd go to the shops after being cured. And obviously he was a very high profile Corona virus victim and people would just clear the supermarket as soon as you'd walk in because they're like, ah, it's a guy with corona. Like, hey, guys, I'm cured. Kamal came on and I don't think Kamal really knew what it was that he was on. Um, like I, you know, he's 86 years old as well. And he's just, he's a guy that I've always looked up to just in, just in entertainment and in Australian life generally. In public life, I don't know how the hell he, he's like the glitch in the matrix. Somehow a Sri Lankan guy was a prime time piece of furniture that like everybody loved you know like mm. i actually went up against him once in a in an audition for offspring and i didn't realize it was me and him but they auditioned me for a role i didn't get it and then i was like who the hell got this role then i watched the episode and kamal walks in <laughs> doing my line so i sort of needed to talk to him about that but he was he, was telling, he tells us all sorts of stuff, funny stuff. he just slips into the conversation that he that he lived with rupert murdoch we were like what and then he just goes yeah and so one time and he just goes and often tells you another story about his life not really really finding it odd that he lived with Rupert Murdoch. But he was telling me recently that, well, on that podcast, actually, that someone posted a clip of him uh, singing a song or like one of his classics and on Facebook. And that clip went insanely viral because it's Kamal and it's a great song. Uh, thousands of comments. He actually went through, I don't think he really knows the culture of interacting with fans that you're not supposed to. You're supposed to just not, you're supposed to act famous. Famous people, you don't see Kanye replying to all your fans. Anyway, <laughs> Kamal went and read all the comments, all of them, mm. and replied to some of them, found and would go to their profiles and find out a bit about them. He, he found a woman who said something nice about him, went to her Facebook page, basically understood everything about her life, started messaging her, and now they're in some sort of relationship. Oh, my God. Because he just because he stalked a commenter. He's uh, not stalked. I don't want to get any trouble here. <laughs> but, <laughs> so we just had funny revelations. I feel like because it's a podcast, People just feel like it's just, it is a safe space, but they also just open up a lot, mm. as do I. Well, yeah, look, look. feel free to say at any point, hey, the next story I'm going to tell you is not for print. It's only for audio. Okay. I'm, 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 right. I'm happy to draw that line there. Feel free <laughs> to let me know Just that. feel free to, anything that is possibly defamatory, just take, take that stuff out. Um, any stuff that doesn't make me sound awesome, cut that out. Mm-hmm. Anything that could get me cancelled, get it out. But keep it on the podcast. because Yeah. Uh, yeah, it may, yeah. Well, well. At, the, at the moment, like we we haven't properly launched the podcast, so like at the moment, three yeah. people listen. So uh, it's, it's <laughs> Who's fine. Third person. There's only two of us on the Zoom call. Is it? Is it your one year old? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, okay. No, my kids don't listen to anything I do. God damn. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah, yeah. So uh, obviously, uh, comedy took one of the biggest hits to. COVID-19 all, all of the restrictions mm. I mean I, I had many tickets booked for the Melbourne Comedy Festival it's one of the highlights of my year I couldn't wait to go and I've spoken to a lot of comedians who I, I feel really bad for the ones who this is the first year they got in and they were just mm. so excited yeah you know what's it been like have you been able to kind of mentor some of those oh yeah I mean I, I feel bad for the ones that so if, if someone, if this is their first comedy festival, but, but they've got a job, I feel bad for them because they missed out on that experience, but I feel bad for comedians who, who have left full-time jobs to do comedy and they've just started making mm. a sole income from comedy, cobbling an income together. And then this got pulled under, you know, put out from on their feet. Yeah. I mean, obviously for more established comedians, there are probably 
other ways to earn money. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I was one week into a national tour and then, you know, then we all had to refund our tickets and fill in not just what, you know, a, like a huge period of time, not knowing what to do at that time, but then the financial hole, the emotional hole, just not being able to get jobs in, in an industry, you know, in other industries related hospitality that mm. was also hit hard, falling through the cracks with job keeper, job seeker, not being eligible for, you know, these additional government payouts. So yeah, it's been a pretty, pretty, pretty tough time. And also, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, just not knowing when this is, you know, the first industry hit, possibly one of the last ones to open up. But yeah, I think that com- comedians, we have a good community. We tend to stick together and support each other, reach out to each other. I feel like comedians are pretty naturally, emotionally intelligent. I'm not speaking about myself, but I feel like there are others who are, and it feels like that's a culture of the community. People check in on each other. You know, it's sort of, it's, it's been nice. Sometimes it, it, takes, it takes something like this to bring out the best in people. When, when business is usual, comedians are pretty competitive. You know, we like to, um, and we push each other and, you know, we get jealous of each other which is healthy in ways. It's obviously got, it's, it's, it's not so good in other ways, but, but during this, I've just found that it's, it's been really nice to see that sort of family spirit um, amongst comedians. Oh yeah. There've been some weird gigs, man. There've been some like zoom gigs, which, uh, which, uh, Ooh, I don't know if they're good for the soul, you know, hearing no laughter, the audience is on mute. Sometimes you see people literally leave the room oh, or turn off or just exit <laughs> and then the whole screen gets reshuffled. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. So I'm feeling more comfortable with them now. But, um, but yeah, it was just uh, it was a, it was a big pivot for everybody. Like I did a gig for Stan, which was really fun. We, um, we did, it was called the Australian Lockdown Comedy Festival. Yeah, I watched all three episodes. It was great. It was, yeah, it was really oh, fun. Oh, it was fun. Heaps of fun. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really, you know, so comedians performing at home and finding new ways to do things. And I do feel like, you know, sometimes if you just sort of go on with business as usual, you don't get a chance to really stretch the, the way you think about comedy and how you perform it and whether you can repurpose it. And so, yeah, there's some pretty creative stuff coming out of, you know, out of, out of this, this industry. So uh, you mentioned uh, JobKeeper and Seeker. Do you, do you think that the government is doing enough to support the arts during this time? They really drag their feet to, to, to speak to the arts industry. The airline industry got bailed up pretty quickly, even though, you know, on the numbers, there have been heaps of articles that have come out about how, how aviation brings in maybe a tenth or something of the revenue to contribution to the economy that the arts industry does. And so, yeah, I do, I do feel like there is a stigma around assisting artists. Mm. But, it's, um, but even if that's in your mind, just think about every other person that works in that industry, whether it's, whether it's people working in catering or people holding cameras or pr- production staff or um, publicists or you know there's there's thousands and thousands of people that are that are affected that bring you the things that you consume when you're in isolation so i still don't really feel like there has been a direct for the arts industry um there was an announcement recently where the government put in money for overseas productions or something but mm-hmm. it really it's it it doesn't it doesn't really address the the problem that 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 artists and people working in the industry have been, you know, they, they want individual grants and payments and support to help them get through this, just like small businesses are, are receiving. I don't, th- I don't feel like there has been enough of an effort or a motivation from government to support the industry. And I feel like that's intentional to sort of communicate to the electorate that, hey, 
we're not getting that so like i feel like to support the arts feels soft yeah i could imagine if uh if it was footy or something like that 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 uh that would yeah be... i mean no disrespect to footy but football is entertainment hey i'm wearing a sydney swans hat right now look i i, I yeah, love me some not, footy but it's, not a... <laughs> you know, it, it's a, a healthy balance <laughs> yeah football is and i think i respect football in the same way that i respect the arts football is entertainment for the masses and it does make people feel like they have a sense of community a sense of connection you know, it is how we see ourselves a lot of the time. It is a religion for people. It gives us a sense of it's a central part of our culture, AFL, NRL. And there has been no hesitation in all levels of government to support that, to facilitate that, help the game play, get the game on. There's hubs and people are flying and like this. It's, it's great. And I feel like the arts should be looked at in a very simple, like why not exactly the same way? We're an industry that is supposed to, 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 to give people a break, allow people to consume art and culture and tell us who we are and, mm. you know, um, help us process the situation that we're in. I think I feel like art is definitely needed more now than ever, um, more so when times are good. And also, yeah, we're going to come out of this and then, um, you know, wonder why Australian productions are struggling and, um, you know, you can't just suddenly click your fingers and expect things to just pick up again. You sort of need to be doing the hard work now. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to, to tell an entire industry to, to take a break for a year and yeah. and not expect yeah. them to go off and find other things or to absolutely and then we you know and then, and then we talk about why there's why there are so many american productions or why australian television is just full of american tv shows or why reality tv is the only thing we watch uh, probably because it's just better bang for buck or you know um it's 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 a very weird on the one hand we definitely love and need and consume art and culture mm. but then on the other hand we don't support it with our dollars and cents I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And uh, so you were part of an, uh, a pretty awesome uh, ad campaign for the Victorian government. How was that received online? I, I understand that uh, people online can be nothing but uh, supportive. Yeah, people, they were just so great to Magda, especially, and Shane Jacobson mm-hmm. and Walid. Oh, it was just heaps of praise. Yeah. I went on Twitter once, which I, I've actually deleted the app. I went on Twitter and um, I saw Walid trending. I was like, oh, maybe he's done another think piece that's made people sit up and and, and think about their lives, but no, nah, he was trending because he uh, took part in an ad that he didn't even invoice for, but um, people are like, oh man, stop telling us what to do. So, you know, Waleed's taken money. He didn't take a cent. You know, I was tempted to take the money, but then I very quickly realized, no, it's probably not the best idea. I think it's probably better to donate that. But uh, even when people were donating their fees, people were just losing their minds off the back of an ad promoting people or asking people to do the right thing and be considerate of others. I never would have thought a pro health campaign would be so controversial. I know. But yeah, like uh, people are nuts a lot of the time. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, the, the, the one uh, thing that I always try to remind myself of is that Twitter is not real life. When I, when I get qu- caught up in, uh, some of the, the the crazy stuff. I mean, I, I'm sadly addicted to Twitter. I can't I can't look away. But um, I have to. <laughs> that's re- why that's why I had to delete it. Yeah. Because I was like, this is just so bad. 
So did you delete it before that ad campaign or did you delete it after that? No, before it. I just, um, and then I went, I, so if I want to post something, I'll go on the computer and do it, and, <laughs> um, which is so weird. <laughs> I'll go to www.twitter.com and uh, I'll post something, I'll tweet something. But it's, um, yeah, I just, I just, yeah, you're right. You do remind yourself that it's not real life. However, when there are thousands of people yelling at you, even if it is, not a representation of society. It does feel like a lot, you know. Magda, especially, just a, just the um, the and a lot of it did come from, I believe, um, a, a post that Pete Evans made on his Instagram. A lot of the people that follow him, um, misguided, but also it, they kind of directed their energy towards uh, and Shane Jacobson. A lot of fat shaming, all sorts of horrible stuff. Shane did something, and he talked about it on our podcast that I never considered doing. He actually called up one of the thousands of commenters and, and, uh, you know, I think it was someone that works in the, you know, the medical industry and asked to get through to him. And then, um, and the guy picked up and he said, hi, this is Shane Jacobs. And I'd just like to speak to you about um, your Facebook post or your comment on my Facebook post. And uh, the guy was just kind of gobsmacked, but then they had a very respectful conversation and Shane just, you know, I guess ultimately the crux of his conversation was that I just wonder whether you'd say what you said on my Facebook post to my face if you saw me on the street. And the guy essentially said no. Mm. Um, actually, before the call, Shane's wife said to the kids, hey, go watch dad make this phone call. You're going to learn more from this phone call than you will at school. You know, so Shane had no intention of just yelling the guy and go, listen here, you piece of shit. Like he was there trying to speak with heart and, and you know, as, as two grown-up men, should and he set an example not just of his kids but to me because that's not the approach i would ever take or have ever taken mm. it's always been um me trying to find a way to make fun of them you know go oh you make you're, you're abusing me well check this out i'm going to tease you for your i don't know that your car in your profile picture <laughs> <or something. laughs> uh, well i can understand that 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 response that that's what you wanted to do but or, or that's what you would like to do even <laughs> if you've never done it before but yeah no no yeah. I've, I've found in the past as well i mean every now and again someone will uh, email me something really awful to the SMH page. And yeah, generally I'll just reply back in as, as politely as I can explaining that, no, in fact, I'm not paid by <laughs> Apple or I'm not paid by whatever it is. And it's like... By Bill Gates? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't get those well, people, thank God. Well, actually, there is a, um, there is a friend of mine, Susan Carland, and it's kind of, she, she sort of talked about it publicly before, that whenever someone hate tweets her, she will donate $1 to UNICEF She's literally donated maybe fifteen hundred dollars to, to to UNICEF as a result. It's also good to to think about the person sending you abuse that maybe they are not you know they might be broken, going through a tough time. So maybe it's worth checking in on them. Worth maybe sending something nice back to them. Long story short, um, my sister, my older sister Asia, she got me a uh, present for Eid or some Christmas, but it's better because based in truth, joking. But um, she got me. <laughs> She got me for my for my Eid present. She got me a um, pajama set that had a sriracha bottle on it because I love sriracha, and the pants had heaps of sriracha bottles on it. So I took a photo of myself wearing it, and I just posted it on my Insta story. You know, I just post whatever random stuff on there. Anyway, as you do, you get a lot of messages back. Most people mostly just lolling, ha ha ha, very funny. Then I checked, and it sinks to my Facebook. I went to my Facebook one day, and just and I never normally read my Facebook messages because it's just a lot of the time just full of trash and sometimes just bots and whatever. And some guy just started, he just sent me heaps of abuse. I was like, what the hell? He goes, this is not an ironically funny shirt. It's shit. You are shit. And I said, huh? I can't see which image you're having a sook about because I couldn't see what he was replying to. And he said, hot sauce, forget it. 
I'm just in a shit mood. And that shirt pushed me over the edge. Anyway, I was about to then just start making fun of him as I normally would. But then Susan's advice like came to me. I thought, all right, I'll just try it. So I said, lol, fair enough. I go for walks when I'm feeling flat. Fresh air in the lungs always does something good for my mood. Three heart emojis. And he replies, I exercised once a few years ago. I didn't care for it, but thanks. Anyway, end of the conversation. Then a few days later, he sends me a message saying, you saved my life. Holy shit. And I know. Basically, I was in a hole and your messages helped me climb out of the hole. Thank you so much. And I said, oh my God, your messages have made me feel really good. Thank you. And I never really considered that just being kind of civil to someone, not even like being exceptionally nice, just literally not being mean back to them can really turn someone's day and life around. So it's really helped me think about the way that I interact with people online. And also I often think about the people that I haven't interacted with that might have been yelling abuse at me or the times that I maybe have been snarky back to people and what effect that has had on them too. There's always a human on the other side. Yeah. It's, um, it's, a, it's a dangerous place in it because yeah, they do look like comments. You know, we, we just call them trolls. Always a human on the other side, especially especially when they're yelling at a stranger from the television. You know, there's probably something going on there. So, you know, but Shane seems to do this all the time. Just be a nice guy. <laughs> so that's yeah, yeah. I, I listened to all the way through with uh, Shane's episode, and um, it, it really is uh, quite beautiful the way he can kind of turn around abuse and and turn it into something uh, that is positive for both him and the, the abuser. Yeah, um, exactly right. And just jumping back in here, uh, this was where the podcast was going to end. And then Nazim remembered that he actually had recorded another podcast this year. It felt like so so many years ago that he travelled to Sri Lanka and recorded a podcast for Audible. So before we left, I, I just had to ask him about that as well. Uh, I went to Sri Lanka last year, did a podcast for Audible um, where I travelled around and uh, really tried to uh, get to know the Sri Lanka that I've not really had a chance of understanding growing up because uh, living in Australia, but also going to Sri Lanka normally means just hanging out with family. So that was a fun, that was a fun trip for me. And um, now that I've got a kid, I can finally explain to him the point of his Sri Lankaness because I've got something to base those conversations on. And, and, and so what was that show like? It was a, you know, is it six episodes? What, what... It was uh, eight, yeah, eight episodes. Oh, tens of hours of footage of audio we recorded or maybe, maybe hundreds of hours. Um, spoke to all sorts of people, went to Jaffna. We spoke to people who were part of the Tamil Tigers, um, who were sort of celebrating Heroes Day. And then we spoke to people who were super pro the government that also w- w- were responsible for the, for, the, for the end of that civil war. We, all, we, were, we climbed Adam Peak. Um, we understood the sort of spiritual significance of places. And I learned some ancient Sri Lankan martial arts, went to tea fields, um, understood labor laws and you know, the sort of impact of colonialism in Sri Lanka and the enduring nature of that sexuality um, and where we get our sense of prudishness from or, or you know, if, whether that's imported or not, it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> heaps of stuff. It was, it, was, it was really fun. It's much more produced and beautiful to listen to than the Survivor's Guide show. <laughs> I don't want to tell you how to sell yourself, mate, but um, you haven't told me the name yet. Oh, <laughs> Rogue Sun. Nazim Hussein, yeah. rogue son. Because I didn't tell my mum that I was doing a podcast or what I was doing there. I just sort of lied and said I was making a television show with heaps of crew members because otherwise she wouldn't let me go because she'd be worried about my safety. And when she turned up to the airport, it was just me 
and my one white producer, and she's like, where's the rest of the crew? I said, oh, they're all there in Sri Lanka in transit, all about 30 of them. (laughs) uh, Yeah, so it was um, to keep, to maintain that life for the the whole trip. It must be... uh... Kind of bittersweet listening back to it now, you know, now that you can't travel more than five kilometers to, to think <laughs> of that, that amazing journey that you went on. I know. Uh, I actually, the idea of traveling overseas just almost seems like I'm a child again, thinking about when I grow up, I would love to travel. Like it feels like something I can do in a couple of decades. Anyway, it's nice that I've got those memories at least. And Absolutely. you too can have my memories just if you subscribe <laughs> to Audible. <laughs> Beautifully done. Beautifully done. <laughs> Who says I can't plug? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you once again for your time and stay safe down there. Good to meet you. Cheers. You too. What a sweetheart. Anyway, that was a really fun conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. I don't know who's coming out on Thursday. Hmm. I'll look through the archives. I've got so many good shows to share with you. I just really want to get them all out straight away. Anyway, here's the bit where I ask you to throw me a couple of stars in iTunes. It really does help. Or tell a friend if you don't like Apple products and you don't want to go anywhere near iTunes or whatever it's called these days. Just tell a friend to listen and say that you really like this show. My big thanks to Lauren Watson for the beautiful artwork and for James Smith for all of his guidance when it comes to audio, even though I screw up every single week. And another thank you to the good people at Acast Up in Sydney for getting me to make this podcast to begin with. A special thank you to the people of Melbourne for getting us through this second wave. You did an amazing job. Speak to you Thursday. Love you. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.